welcome to another episode of the Battle Royale with Cheese podcast with me, Grace Williams. It's been a while since I've been on the mic. I have been over the ocean to New York where I had a lovely time and saw many amazing things, including the Museum of Moving Image in Queens. And they have a permanent Jim Henson exhibition there. So if I've got any American, uh, Northern American state listeners, I would recommend going to that museum at any point that you can. And also any UK uh, listeners who are going over to New York, please go and visit that. It's just a short subway ride away. Thank you to everyone who has been listening this year so far and has been putting in their thoughts and ideas for the podcast. It's still a work in progress, so thank you all for your suggestions and I will try and incorporate as many as possible. So let's have a little look at what we have on the show this week. Now, Bath Film Festival, which has now been renamed Film Bath, is in full swing. Why is Film Bath important, you might ask? Well, it is run by Holly Tarkini, who's been working in the industry for a very long time. She established not only Film Bath, Bath Film Festival, but also the F rating. The F rating is a big F that anyone can put on their film, and that signifies that the film either stars a woman in their own right, is directed by a woman or written by a woman, or you can have a triple F rating, which is all three. I will be reviewing a total of four films that were screened at Film Bath 2019. The cinematic sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, was released in cinemas this week based on Stephen King's uh, novel sequel to The Shining. I don't mean novel as in it's a novel sequel. It was a novel. Um, And we have got Alex Wells, who is a humongous Stephen King fan, film fan and DJ. He will be giving his uh, opinion on the latest film and how it compares to the original novel. But first of all, let's have our regular segment this week in film. So let's dive in with some film news. Now, 2015 might seem like a long time ago for some people, but for me, it seems like yesterday. And it feels like just yesterday, a big screen adaptation of William Shakespeare's Macbeth was put on the big screen. I'm talking about the big screen adaptation directed by Assassin's Creed director Justin Kurzel, starring Michael Fassbender as Macbeth with Marion Cotillard alongside as Lady Macbeth. Now there are talks of a new big screen adaptation of Macbeth from Joel Cohen and it will be starring Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand and Brendan Gleeson. So that's happening. Disney Plus released earlier this week. Lots of weird things happened with that, including it crashing quite a lot of times for its 10 million instant subscribers. Disney have also put a um, cultural appropriation warning on quite a lot of its early films, including Lady and the Tramp, and also warnings of smoking scenes such as in Pinocchio. 
Spike Lee has started organising his next film and he has picked up the rights to graphic novel Prince of Cats, which is a hip-hop Romeo and Juliet. So keep an eye out for news on that. Looks like it's going to be good. I didn't realise, but the film The Congress starring Robin Wright is becoming a reality. Really, it's happening because a CG James Dean is going to be in a film next year. So that's quite shocking. And the same team who are resurrecting James Dean on the big screen want to resurrect more dead celebrities. Leave them alone. do a little bit of this week in film history 17th of november 2008 twilight premiered in los angeles and everyone went "Mm, maybe i don't like this as much anymore but some people were like yes i love k-pats that's my ultimate couple love it we are wishing lee strasberg a happy birthday if you don't know who lee strasberg is what what are you doing go and research he was one of the greatest acting coaches of all time um, and he was also in the godfather there is a lee strasberg school of acting in manhattan i believe you should go and check out that plaque we're also wishing happy birthday to martin scorsese scorsese martin scorsese it is his birthday today which is the 17th of november and we're also wishing danny devito a happy birthday imagine that can you imagine a birthday party that is shared by martin scorsese and danny devito what would that look like how would they celebrate what would the conversation be let me know and we're also wishing saturday night live creator lorne michaels a very happy birthday 17th of november on the 18th of november 1928 walt disney released steamboat willie now that's not technically a whole film feature film i know but it was very very important to the rest of the cinema world and 18th of november 1959 we saw the release of ben hur starring charlton heston it ended up winning the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1960. And on the 18th of November 1992, Spike Lee's Malcolm X starring Denzel Washington as Malcolm X and Angela Bassett was released in the US. We're wishing Owen Wilson a very happy birthday. Um, also Mike Epps and Chloe Zavigny. On November the 19th, 1916, Samuel Goldwyn and Edgar Selwyn established Goldwyn Pictures. The company later became one of the most successful independent filmmakers. In 1975, the legendary One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, based on the book by Ken Kesey, directed by Milos Forman and produced by Michael Douglas, starring Jack Nicholson, was released and ended up winning the Academy Award for Best Picture in 1976. Yep, we're getting into Oscar season, folks, don't you forget it. 19th November, I guess we're wishing Meg Ryan a happy birthday. We are wishing Jodie Foster and Adam Driver happy birthday as well. Adam Driver, who is in um, 
the the report which I'm going to be talking about in a little while. November 20th, not specifically film related, but November 20th, 1976, George Harrison of that little known band, The Beatles, appeared on Saturday Night Live. 1982, a seven-year-old Drew Barrymore hosted Saturday Night Live. Big day for Saturday Night Live history on November 20th. And on November 21st, 1976, we saw the release of Rocky, which won Best Picture in 1977. Film Bath has been running since the 7th of November. I have seen four films from this festival, so I will be talking about reviewing giving context to all four of these films and the first film i am going to be talking about is the report this was a preview at film bath so it's not on general release at the moment the film is directed by scott z burns and stars adam driver annette benning and john ham the film centers on Daniel J. Jones, who's played by Adam Driver, who is a Senate staffer, and he is tasked by the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee uh, just after the September 11 attacks to look into the conduct of the CIA who ran enhanced interrogation techniques which were criticised as being brutal and immoral and also ineffective forms of torture. There's a lot about this film that works in its favour. I loved the fact that it didn't have a, a huge action thriller um, element to it. It was very much to the point, um, which I think helped highlight how these investigations happen and how cinematic renderings can often overlook the importance of the matter. The nature of Daniel Jones's work in this film meant that he was in a locked room with no windows uh, for copious amounts of time and there were only very subtle uh, title changes to indicate how many years had gone by and it kind of showed how the passing of time for this man because he was so engrossed in his work and had so so many discoveries and so much to factually put down um, it shows how involved he got in the work and how everything around him just passed him by so it kind of added extra gravitas towards the third act of the film the third of act of the film being the uh, report trying to be pushed out by the senate intelligence committee and dan jones and annette Bell character uh, Diane Feinstein and you can really uh, connect with these characters because actually it was only sort of three people who were really trying to push for these um, atrocious uh, acts that the CIA conducted uh, to be finally revealed to the general public. The film also highlighted how um, I don't know if it's still relevant today but definitely back then how 
the FBI, the CIA and the Senate were all sort of working in their own little pockets. And I found that personally to be really interesting. So it's almost like you've got three groups of people working against each other in the film, which in itself is a really good uh, tension builder and, and makes for a great political thriller. Everyone's acting was superb in this film. I couldn't fault it any, anyone at all. I have only just started to like Adam Driver. So I, I warmed to him in this. I think, yeah, he's definitely a, a brilliant actor. My, uh, my tables have been turned finally. And Annette Benning is always just a beautiful sight to see on screen. And John Hamm wasn't annoying either. I think actually John Hamm's been kind of pushed into these comedy roles, whereas actually he is a really good dramatic actor and he's got a, a real presence on screen when he is performing in those roles and particularly with political thrillers. My only criticism of this film is that I don't know how much of an impact it is going to make to the cinematic audience in the sense that too often with these uh, big scandal revealer films, uh, films that highlight um, political and social injustices, which are very uh, true and factual, people, because they see them in, in such a fantastic screening room and it's on a screen and it's not there in real life for them, I think people just go, oh, that was a shocking film and then forget about it, um, much like with I Daniel Blake or quite a lot of Ken Loach's films Vice last year um, about Dick Cheney uh, a lot of these films just sort of get pushed into the oh that was a good film wasn't it uh, section of audiences brains whereas actually these films try and highlight look this is a really awful thing that happened don't so this the, the point of this film is don't trust politicians don't trust everything that your government does and i'm not trying to sound all you know political whistleblower here but when you do eventually watch this film in the cinema um try and look past the creative elements of it because it is actually a very true film and as like i've just said with pacing and tone and dialogue and look at the facts and I hope that when it hits home that actually this was a real mess up that you'll take something even more away from the film and start like I, I know I love doing it afterwards investigating these things for yourself and I think it will add an extra element to the viewing process. second film I'm going to talk about uh, from the Film Bar Festival is Harriet, directed by Casey Lemons. Casey Lemons uh, started off as an actress and she was in such amazing films as Silence of the Lambs. And this is, I believe, her directorial debut. She directed, wrote the screenplay, so that's a double F rated, and then with starring Cynthia Erivo as Harriet. Tubman. The film also stars uh, Janelle Monet for a little bit. They seem to have pushed her quite far up the casting in sort of the promotional materials um, and she's not in it really that much. But still it was really nice to see her on screen. For those of you who don't know too much about the life of Harriet Tubman, I certainly uh, didn't before watching this movie. Uh, I think um, a lot of American history uh, didn't really get taught during my school days and it was, wasn't really part of the uh, history curriculum we kind of focused 
slightly on what was going on in the Second World War in America, but nothing before that. So um, Harriet Tubman isn't really a name that I've personally come across, but um, after watching this film, I'm doing lots of my own research and it's re- she's a really fascinating, amazing woman who should really uh, be remembered and uh, promoted uh, for her uh, amazing achievements and efforts globally. Uh, But this film, I will tell you briefly about it. Harriet Tubman was a slave. Uh, This was before the Civil War broke out in America. So there were some slaves who um, had been freed, some hadn't. Harriet Tubman was married to a free man. She wasn't. She wants to be free, but her slave owner won't let her. So she runs away and makes it uh, to Philadelphia where she meets... um, very nice chap who uh, is charged with, uh, I guess, getting people on their feet and living their lives free. But a year later, Harriet decides that being free by herself isn't enough and she wants to go back and free her husband and for those of you who have seen the film or know the history of Harriet Tubman know that she became uh, one of the most important figures in uh freeing of slaves and also uh freeing of slaves uh during the civil war she's one of the only women to have led her own uh unit in um battle and she freed uh, a ridiculous amount of slaves uh, not only by herself before um the underground railroad track was uh properly established but she was one of the main people who freed slaves using the underground railroad track so casey lemons herself has said that she didn't want the film to focus on harriet's time in slavery but what it was like for her to be free and her efforts onwards on her journey so um the film focus it's very character driven and it's very feminist cynthia arriva who's actually a british actress does a fantastic job in this film she is uh really interesting to watch her uh, physicality her accent because she has quite a lot of physical mannerisms to portray because harriet tubman suffered from some level of brain damage from when her slave owner accidentally hit her in the face with a paper I think it was a paperweight and because of her brain damage she ended up passing out quite a lot and according to her when she had these spells she saw visions um, and these were visions by God which helped her um, on her journey into uh, freeing slaves so yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a superhero um, element to Harriet Tubman's life, but um, yeah. So um, Cynthia Erivo did a fantastic job of uh, portraying the, some of the limitations that Harriet Tubman had, but also her strength and how that grueling journey of hers, a um, hundred miles from her um, her original home to Philadelphia, and how that affected her body. So Cynthia Erivo really um, portrays that very well. I think the whole cast are fantastic. I can't really fault anyone, and the script is well written. It's a film that shows basically what true freedom means in America, and the script weaves in elements of kind of what 
America is built on um, years later and um, it's I think it's a really important film there has been um, just from reading up about it um, after I watched it because I love to do my research um, there's been a lot of criticism for elements of it people who know me know my issues with biopics and their truth and their fictitious elements but I think with the fictitious elements in this film they're only there to fill in the blanks of what happened in her life so the actual events that happen in this film happened to Harriet Tubman there's no um, lies in that she did escape she did travel 100 miles by herself she did become one of the most important not only women in uh, freeing slaves but not only in America but one of the most um, important women in the world I would say and I think Casey Lemons does a fantastic job of bringing together a bringing the facts and the truth to screen but also stringing together a really beautiful narrative that makes for a good cinema watching so yeah good stuff Next up, we have The Chambermaid, uh, or in Spanish, La Camarista. Uh, I have got a review of this film up on the Battle Royale with Cheese website, should you want to read instead of listen. Um, but if you want to listen, stay on. Uh, so, the film is about Eve, a young chambermaid at a luxurious Mexico City hotel who confronts the monotony of long workdays with quiet examinations of forgotten belongings and budding friendships that nourish her newfound and determined dream for a better life. I am reading the plot synopsis for this film because if I tried to uh, summarise it, I'd probably make it sound more um, boring than it is. But basically... Uh, yeah, this film was about a woman who is in a really rubbish job and is trying to look after her family with her rubbish wage and in between shifts trying to better her life by um, studying for further qualifications. So uh, in a in a way, this film doesn't sound like it could be that exciting or that um, engaging, but it is brilliant from start to finish the film is written by and directed by Lila Aviles and the uh, lead role of Eve is played wonderfully by Gabriella Cartol from watching the film you really get a massive pit in your stomach throughout the whole thing because the, the basic goal of this uh, chambermaid of this hotel is so that she could get to a more um, fancier set of suites in the hotel so that she can get paid more and it puts a lot of things into perspective after watching it um, I think it's it's really refreshing to watch a film where the uh, uh, lead characters in um, aspirations or their goal or their 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 final achievement in the film is so small really and it um gives um a massive light and uh kudos to people in that that area of the service industry and in amongst the mundanity of eve's job as a chambermaid and um the simplistic nature of the film there's a lot of real life uh humor and heart there's a particular moment i like where there's the uh, window cleaner of the hotel um he keeps trying to get eve's attention and she's cleaning a room and she 
just pushes the electronic buzzer and puts the curtains over the window and he's slowly just trying to peek in um and it's this they have a bit of flirtation going on and that's um some there's really lovely moments in this film which is just so natural and relatable there's a lot of uh, wonderful independent films that are coming out of mexico at the moment so check out the chambermaid And finally, we are going to have a little look at Little Monsters. Uh, little Monsters is a Australian-US uh, collaboration directed by Abe Forsyth and stars Lupita Nyong'o, Alexander England and Josh Gad. This is a uh, black comedy. It's uh, something that I think Australasia, Australia, New Zealand does really well. Um, I love uh their tone um, when they put out uh, comedy horrors. So I'll give you a brief synopsis of the film. Uh, Dave is the lead character who's played by Alexander England. The um, introduction of the film sees him and his girlfriend fighting a lot. Apparently Dave can't grow up. He doesn't want to have children. He just wants to be making music. So he leaves and goes to stay with his sister Tess. Tess has an adorable son called Felix uh, who has certain food allergies and uh, little quirks about him which make him a very um, enjoyable character to watch on screen. Dave takes Felix to school one day and meets Miss Caroline or as she likes to be called Audrey um, who is played by Luputa Nyong'o who um, has wonderful fashion sense a gorgeous smile and Dave is just smitten um, sometimes quite inappropriately uh, immediately uh, so he agrees to accompany uh, Miss Caroline and the kids on a school trip to a little um, uh, f- like farm uh, attraction uh, just outside of their uh, village um, unbeknownst to them just next to this farm attraction there is a military base where a zombie outbreak has um, has happened and uh, they're not doing a very good job of containing it so all these elements there's sort of elements of cooties um, the film produced by and starred by starring Elijah Wood in there there's um, sort of that dry uh, Australian humour in there but then there's a, a sort of injection of US action uh, in there as well it's all the elements on paper sound like they wouldn't work but it actually produced a very enjoyable, very watchable, uh, very uh, heartfelt film, which actually I think will probably stand up to a lot of zombie films that have come before it. A lot of comedy uh, came from Josh Gad's character of Teddy McGiggle. Teddy McGiggle in this uh, world is a bit like a kind of Peewee Herman character, so all the kids um, love his show. He happens to be at this farmyard doing a little bit of filming for his show. He's an American uh, children's personality, so when he uh, gets caught up in the zombie violence, his true colours show. Um, And it's really nice to see Josh Gad on screen being such a corrupt children's personality because obviously he's so famous for being in Disney films such as Frozen and Beauty and the Beast and and also with Lupita Nyong'o being in Jungle Book and Star Wars and Queen of Catway I think it was um, a really nice contrast between what 
they usually do in their acting roles. And it's really nice to see Luputa Nuongo get a lot of screen time um, since winning her Best Supporting Actress Oscar for 12 Years a Slave. Uh, she did Queen of Cataway, but predominantly she's been uh, doing voice work or she's uh, been in Star Wars, so been wearing... Star Wars? Star, Star Wars? Star Wars. So she's been wearing a uh, motion capture suit. Um, obviously, most recently she was in uh, Black Panther, but I think between this film and Us, directed by Jordan Peele just before it, I think we as an audience are really getting to see what a powerhouse uh, she is as an actress and how she can fit into these quirky roles and really gets it as well she doesn't ham up um anything at all she it's it's almost like she completely uh, i use this word symbiotic but she completely just gels with the character and she's completely believable um so i thought it was an amazing film and I really enjoyed it and I would watch it again uh, if someone was like, do you want to watch Little Monsters? I'm like, yeah, I just saw it like last week, but yeah, whack it on. I don't mind. So we'll have a bit more from Film Bath next week. The film festival is running for two weeks. The last day will be on the 17th of November. Coming up, we have got a review of Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, which is reviewed by Alex Wells, who is a Bristol-based DJ, musician, and all-round good egg. Hello, everyone. My name is Alexander Wells, and I'm a friend of Grace's, and she has asked me to come on the show and talk to you about Doctor Sleep and also what I think the top five Stephen King book-to-film adaptations are. Now, first up, we're going to talk about Doctor Sleep. Now, as a big fan of the book, uh, I read it almost as soon as it came out, being a big fan of The Shining as well. And I must say that the film adaptation is really interesting. Ewan McGregor does a fantastic turn as Danny Torrance, and overall, I think I really enjoyed it. I saw it in the cinema. Uh, I think that the... The plot and the pacing of the film was a little bit better than the book, if I may say so. Uh, it made it a lot clearer what was going on, I think. And the finale, although different uh, in the book compared to this new film, uh, I feel like the finale in the film, again, wraps things up in a more satisfying way than the finale of the book. Don't want to go into any specifics for anyone who hasn't seen either, uh, because that's very important not to spoiler people nowadays in the environment that we live in where people do not like being spoiled myself included i get very upset when i get spoiled right then next up we are going to talk about the adaptations of stephen king's books to film now obviously everyone's got their own opinions as to what are the best this is just my personal opinion and obviously feel free to disagree with me in the comments I'm going to give you a top five, and these are in no particular order, because again, when it comes to King, there's so much that he does that it's just uh, so unquantifiable in its brilliance that it's hard to rank them in any specific order. Obviously, we had to talk about just how much work Stephen King's been putting out in the last couple of years, especially uh, Mr. Mercedes, the TV adaptation of the book series starring Bill Hodges, is well worth checking out. I thoroughly recommend you check that out. Also, check out Creepshow, which he's doing alongside his son. Joe Hill. If you've not been reading Joe Hill's books, 
make sure you go and check some of those out because they are incredible. I would say on par with his father's work, which is quite a statement, I know, but that is just my opinion. So I am going to start off with number one, Children of the Corn. Now, I actually watched this again last night. It's a fantastic expansion of a much smaller short story. There's great performances from relative unknowns throughout, uh, except, of course, Linda Hamilton, who you all know as Sarah Connor from the Terminator franchise. Much like Terminator, Children of the Corn had plenty of terrible sequels, but that doesn't mean that you should overlook this original because it is fantastic. The violence in it is savage at times, and there's quite a lot of violence to children as well, which you don't often see uh, in movies nowadays. So it's, it's kind of refreshing. Now, in the number two and number three slots, I'm going to give this a bit of a double bill because they're both Kathy Bates films. Uh, number two, Dolores Claiborne. Now, Dolores Claiborne is relatable for anyone who has had a difficult employer, uh, deals with heavy themes of abuse, and the book actually ties into Gerald's Game, which, if you've not read, there's also a fantastic film adaptation of that on Netflix, which I thoroughly recommend you check out. Overall, Dolores Claiborne is a really moving, powerful piece of cinema, and the performances, like I say, from Kathy Bates, obviously incredible, but also uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and Christopher Plummer are also in this movie, and they are fantastic. It's kind of a bit of a forgotten gem, so I wanted to include it on this list uh, for anyone who hadn't seen that particular movie. Now, of course, I've got to talk about Misery. Now, everyone knows about Misery. It's a very popular, very mainstream uh, horror film. It even won Kathy Bates an Oscar. James Kahn is equally brilliant in this movie. And uh, I think the hobbling scene in the movie is in many ways more brutal than in the book. Uh, the use of a sledgehammer rather than an axe really changes the game. And uh, that scene still makes me win. So I actually broke my ankle myself many, many years back. So that scene has always been quite difficult for me to watch but i enjoyed anyway that's kind of the fun of horror isn't it at the end of the day watching things that challenge you now in at number four i'm going to talk about the 1976 adaptation of carrie now sissy spacek and piper laurie star in this fantastic piece of cinema uh, Piper Laurie, of course, played Catherine Martell in Twin Peaks to perfection, and she is equally deft here. It's a genuinely scary film in places, especially if you don't know the story. Uh, it's one of the earliest appearances of John Travolta as well, and there's also a great final jump scare as well. So if you've not seen this film, uh, if you've only seen the more recent adaptation with Chloe Grace Moretz, then I thoroughly recommend you check out the 1976 film adaptation and finally at number five it's a bit of a low ball it's a bit of an easy one it's a bit of an obvious one and i think we all knew it was coming the shawshank redemption fantastically performances from tim robbins and morgan freeman frank darabont who directed the film went on to do a lot of directorial work because of his work on this movie including of course the walking dead franchise so that's all from me that's a top five of the best stephen king adaptations from book to movie. Hope you've enjoyed this little trip down Stephen King's monstrous movies. And who knows, maybe you'll hear from me again another time on Battle Royale with Cheese. Until then, this is Alexander Wells. Thanks for listening.
thank you very much for your review there, Alex. I really liked this film um, and I really liked The Shining as well. Uh, both very different films, but have a lot of similarities in uh, tone as well. And I think Mike Flanagan is a brilliant director. Oculus was a really good film, a very underrated film um, starring Karen Gillan. Also, I enjoyed uh, the series The Haunting, Haunting of Hill House and not not so keen on Gerald's game, but that could just be because that's the, um, the story itself, but it was still a very good film. Mike Flanagan, born in Salem, Massachusetts, so uh, born to be a spooky director. So now, in honour of uh, Stephen King, I have selected a few songs uh, that are uh, either influenced or mention uh, Stephen King uh, film adaptations. Uh, so I'm not I'm not doing any book book adaptations because this is a film podcast. So these are songs that are based on books with film adaptations. First up, we have Pet Cemetery, a uh, book adaptation that has had two big screen adaptations. Uh, the first being in 1989 and then another one this year, 2019. Maybe one will be made every 30 years, who knows. Uh, the film Pet Cemetery made me believe for many years that, because um, I hadn't seen it, I just assumed that the uh, word cemetery in America was spelt with an S and only after uh, recently watching the uh, 2019 version I realised, oh, I've been a dummy. And the song uh, we are going to play for Pet Cemetery is of course Ramones Pet Cemetery, one of my favourite Ramon songs and it has a very good uh, music video. Well, depending how you look at it, I think it's a good music video. So here's a little snippet of Ramones Pet Cemetery. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Now, I have a feeling uh, that a lot of songs and musical artists are influenced by Stephen King's It. The song I have chosen is Pennywise by the band Pennywise, because it says double Pennywise. And um, I love Pennywise as a character, but as I'm going to say um, all the time, I only really like Pennywise in the original It movie because Tim Curry played him and I really don't like Bill Skarsgård's It uh, Pennywise. And um, anyway, here's Pennywise, Pennywise. The creep inside your soul at night and torment nice and slow. Turn around or turn around if Pennywise will know. He'll make you wish that you were dead, he'll make it hard to cope. He'll make you wish that you were dead and hang you by a rope. Next up, we've got Black Sabbath with The Shining. Um, and it's a Black Sabbath without Ozzy Osbourne. Can you imagine that? This is Black Sabbath in the Tony Martin days. Um, so this is a very long song called The Shining. I have 10 seconds worth to play you. Next up, we have a song uh, by the band Jeff the Brotherhood. Um, if you don't know who Jeff the Brotherhood is, you might know uh, one of their side 
project bands called Be Your Own Pets. Um, and this song uh, is a song called Cujo, um, which, believe it or not, had a big screen adaptation. Um, I won't watch it because I am terrified of evil dogs. Uh, but here is a bit of Jeff the Brotherhood with Cujo. Finally, we've got some epic metal uh, from the band Testament. Um, this is a song called Disciples of the Watch, which is based on the uh, Stephen King book, Children of the Corn, uh, which had a big screen adaptation in the 80s. I don't know about you, but every time I've tried to watch Children of the Corn, I've um, fallen asleep. Uh, some people find it very scary. What do you think of this song? Do you fall asleep listening to this or do you find it scary let me know thank you to everyone who has been listening this year so far and has been putting in their thoughts and ideas for the podcast